superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. DJ Mikey D. D is a knees nose. What do you think of that, Steve? What do you think of that? D is nuts. I like it. From the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Don't get angry at Brian Kelly. Don't get angry at Lincoln Riley either. You turned down those terms. Earlier on the show, co-host of Peacock's Brother from Another, Michael Smith, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Tony Dungy, ESPN Senior Baseball Writer, Jeff Passan. Coming up, legendary boxing promoter, Bob Arum. And now... It's Rich Eisen. Our number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. Great chat with Tony Dungy, Pro Football Hall of Famer in hour number two. We also had Michael Smith, a brother from another in hour number one. We're taking you to brother from another at the top of this hour right here on NBC Sports on Peacock. Jeff Passan of uh, the Worldwide Leader in Sports just talked about the uh, baseball lockout that was put into effect last night. If you missed any of that, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Chris Brockman and Mike Del Tufo are in their spots here on NBC Sports on Peacock. TJ Jefferson is here as well. And so is a legend here in the studio. And I wouldn't say that if he wasn't looking at me setting up this interview. But he (laughs) he is, in fact, sitting here in person. Uh, The man who has been promoting boxing and being part of the boxing world for decades now and getting set for a big-time Saturday in December, December 11th, when he and Top Rank are promoting a highly anticipated lightweight battle between former champions Vasily Lomachenko and Richard Kami at Madison Square Garden. It'll be live on ESPN right after the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Good to have here Brooklyn's finest, Bob Arum, here on the Rich Eisen Show in person. How are you, Bob? Good. Nice to see you again, Good to see you. It's been a few years. Yeah. It's, It's been a while. Good sure to see has. you. It's good to see you. So uh, let me just jump into this with a little memory lane, if you don't mind. When was the first time you met Muhammad Ali, Bob? Let's just jump right into that. Uh, it would be in 1965. Okay. And uh, uh, I had met the great football player, Jim Brown. And Brown said uh, that I should be Ali's promoter and lawyer. Uh, I had never seen a boxing match but I had handled the big case as a prosecutor in the U.S. Attorney's Office when we seized all the money in the Patterson-Liston fight. The SDNY, right? That's what you were with, the Southern the District? Southern, the famous Southern, Southern District, District, right. Yeah. And uh, so I met uh, 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 Ali and uh, uh, his advisor then, Herbert Muhammad and Jim, in a meeting. And they shipped me out to Chicago, 
to get the blessing of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I got that blessing and uh, scheduled a fight uh, March of 66 uh, with Ernie Terrell in Chicago. And Ali, while he was training in Miami, uh, was reclassified from 1Y because at that point he was functionally illiterate, mm -hmm. so he couldn't pass the test. Uh, and they made him 1A. And then Bob Haller in the CBS uh, in Miami interviewed him. And that's when Ali said, I ain't going to Vietnam. I ain't going to fight the Viet Cong. They never used the N-word to me. I'm just not going. And Mayor Daly uh, in Chicago where the fight, Terrell fight was going to be held, kicked us out. We got couldn't find a venue any place in the United States. We ended up in Toronto, and that was my first fight That's your in, first. in March of 1966. Ali and Chavalo for the heavyweight championship. Welcome to boxing. Yeah. That, was your, that was your welcome to boxing. No, but it was great because if when people Promoting. come up to me and say, oh, this was a tough promotion that you've done, you know, like, a year ago or whatever, I said a piece of cake compared to my first one. <laughs> it all kind of broke you in and made everything that much easier from there on out. For yeah, the it did. It certainly did. And I wouldn't have stayed, uh, except I was so angry what they were doing to Ali, who by that time I had really gotten close to, uh, that I stayed around to fight everything and took him to England and then Germany and then Judge Roy Hoffines, who owned the Astrodome, had us come back to the United States and fight a couple of fights there. And he fought, then won Zora Foley in the garden. And that was that. He was off for three and a half years. They took his passport. Nobody would license him. I mean, horrible the way they treated him. What was he like not when he wasn't in front of a camera? The greatest. Um, I mean, terrific. Better... When he wasn't in front of the camera, he was a warm, generous human being, highly intelligent, although, again, when I met him, he was functionally illiterate. He learned how to read and write, but he was very, very astute and intelligent, but really nice, really nice. I'm not just saying this because he's no longer here, but he was a really nice person. Well, I mean, because, again... Uh we could spend hours talking about the people who you have promoted, uh, fights that you've promoted from George Foreman to obviously Manny Pacquiao and marvelous Marvin Hagler and, and, and the names that just jump off the list, Sugar Ray and uh, Tyson and now Tyson Fury. You've done a, a couple of fights. You said you just got off the phone with them a couple of hours. Yeah, ago, I've been right? promoting I mean, Tyson Fury uh, for the last four fights and uh, he's a real character. Oh, I no. mean, he is larger than life, and not just because he's so tall. He's just a, a, a great entertainer and a great personality and also a great guy. I mean, really, and I, what I've, I've really, you know, with a guy like Tyson Fury who comes from a, a very distinct background, uh, he's uh, from the G Gypsy Nation, uh, lived in Ireland and then in uh, Northern England. Uh, the whole gypsy culture 
is real. I don't want to go into it necessarily here, but is really, really interesting. And uh, so I've made it a point to spend time with him uh, talking about different things, not just boxing. And I've learned a lot, uh, which I didn't, wasn't aware of, of the gypsy culture. So well, very he, interesting. He was here a couple of years ago, Bob, and we, we were talking to him and everyone who, who, who came with him, and I didn't understand a word they were saying, to be very honest with you. It was, he, 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 he speaks so fast, and then he, he, he sat down here, and he was so remarkable in sharing his struggles with mental health and how he is so open about it and how it's important to hear him that somebody who is such a hulking individual of a, of a man who can break you in two, who gets off the mat, right, after he's been knocked down, talk about how he's struggling with what's in between his temples is so important, I think, for people to hear that story. Right, and what he's told me is even when there's no fight on the horizon and because of the pandemic, he went over a year between the second fight with Wilder and the third, uh, he was able to keep his sanity by going into the gym twice a day to train, 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 because he felt that training like that, Mm -hmm. even when there was no fight on the horizon, uh, kept him mentally stable. What's next for him? Well, now we're very interesting. Uh, Anthony Joshua lost to Alexander Usyk, uh, who's now has some of the belts, and we're trying to get there's a rematch clause. Joshua to step aside so that uh, uh, Tyson can fight Usyk for all four belts. That would be a unified title, and they're talking about doing it in Saudi Arabia, which uh, uh, wants to stage that fight in March. Hopefully, it'll all come together. If it doesn't, if uh, Joshua insists on the rematch with Usyk, then uh, Fury will fight uh, Dylan White, who's the number one contender. And we do that fight uh, as sort of a homecoming uh, for Tyson uh, in an arena in Manchester, uh, where he comes from. Bob Aram here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's the biggest fight that you weren't able to make in your career that you're like, you know what, there was so much Michigas, to use the word, uh, that just you couldn't get it done or you, you wanted to get it done and couldn't get done. Which one is that, I, you know, Bob? Ultimately, I got it done. I mean, the Pacquiao fight, with uh, uh, with Mayweather. That went on for five years with a lot of nonsense <laughs> until we finally got it done, and it was the biggest, uh, from a standpoint of money, the biggest fight ever uh, when they finally fought. Uh, the fight that I haven't been able to get done uh, is uh, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence uh, because... Uh, Frankly, the two fighters want so much money, and while it is a great fight in the ring and hardcore boxing fans love it, it 
doesn't pencil out uh, as far as pay-per-view, which is not as robust as it was uh, five or ten years ago. When you say nonsense, what do you mean by nonsense? When you said the nonsense with the Pacquiao and... and well, when and first it was drug testing, there was always an excuse why the fight couldn't happen. So meanwhile, Floyd went his way, Manny went his way. They each made a lot of money during that period, but we couldn't get them together. It took five years to get them together. But when we got them together, we did over 4 million uh, pay-per-view homes uh, and hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars. So maybe it was all worth it in the end. Bob Arum here on the Rich Eisen Show. Um, when I say the name Don King, you think of what? What do you think well, of? King was a rival for a long time. Right. And uh, he came from a different place from the place that I came from. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had served time in prison, and he was a real street guy. But he had a, a way of his expressing himself that caused people to notice. Uh, he was a very good promoter. Uh, but he was a vicious competitor. But when the fight had to be made with his fighter and my fighter, mm -hmm. we found a way to do it. And he was a good partner, whether it was Leonard and Duran first fight in Montreal or Oscar De La Hoya in Trinidad. I did a number of fights with King, and they were all, you know, very successful ventures. Did you get along with him or not really? Only when we were counting up the money. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to look to see if you were getting your share? No, but I was, we collected. That was part of the was deal. <laughs> we, we collected it. You were doing the collection and yeah, disbursement it, is what you're saying. What? You were doing the collection and disbursement. Was doing, you're right, and then we were dividing it. So... I didn't have that angst, other which I would have otherwise <laughs> might have had. Well, I guess that's why you're so good at it and why you've done it for so long, Bob Arum. And so, um, wow. So the do you, do you have a, a no mas story that we don't know about? Anything like that? You mentioned what do you mean a no mas the, the Duran story and you know Roberto Duran or no, anything. No, I, like I just I I know what happened. I mean, uh, I mean it's clear what happened because I subsequently became Duran's promoter mm -hmm. uh, when he fought Iran Barkley in one of the great middleweight fights, uh, and then uh, the third fight with Sugar Ray Leonard. What happened, and Duran ex expressed it to me, and it was true, is once when Duran beat uh, Leonard in the first fight in mm -hmm. Montreal, yes. he went back to Panama, and he was like the king, and he acted like the king. Uh, I visited him subsequently, and he had a house that had expanded, and there was a pool in the back, and he would have 40 people over, uh, eating steaks and drinking champagne and having a great time. And the last thing in his mind then was fighting. And then Mike Trainer, who was the manager of Ray Leonard, told King, in effect, you guys can keep all the money. We just want the rematch because Ray felt he could beat him. And so Carlos Aletta and King cut up a lot of money and they 
they forced, in effect, Duran into that second fight before he was ready. Duran trained for the second fight basically just to lose weight. And after the weigh-in, he gorged himself on two steaks. and I mean, crazy. And so he was in no real condition to mm. fight, you know, not fighting condition. And Ray played with him, danced around him, and Duran couldn't even hit him and was being humiliated, and he quit. That was it. He was angry at everybody, and he quit. So you've also um, promoted four Mike Tyson fights. What was that like, promoting a Mike Tyson fight, Bob Arum, for you? Well, you know, Tyson at that point was crazy. His manager, and his, his uh, uh, managers were, were, were in fear of him. They were afraid uh, to let him loose between fights. They put a lot of pressure. We were doing those weekly shows uh, for ESPN mm -hmm. from 1980 to 1985. So this was in that during that period, and they wanted him to fight once a week because otherwise he would get into terrible, terrible trouble. And he had established a reputation of being this real killer. And so... It was hilarious. You'd put him in with a fairly good professional, and you could see the opponent's uh, knees shaking. Right. And so Tyson would walk across the ring, throw one punch, knock him out, and that was that. But, you know, it, it became... It wasn't good television. It You know, it seems great, you know, knockout and so forth. But when it goes on repeatedly, four quick knockouts, mm -hmm. we weren't getting uh, the airtime that was required, and we stopped promoting him. So let's talk about what you got going on here uh, coming up on December 11th. I got the list right here. This is going to be your 864th boxing show promoted on ESPN. Yeah, that's that is a, that's a that's a hefty number. That's a whopping fine number, as Dr. Seuss once said. This is your 48th boxing show promoted in New York City, Madison, yeah, Madison Square, Square Garden, Garden in the Mecca. I mean, right. I imagine you went. You probably grew up watching some uh, events there in Madison Absolutely. Square Garden. Absolutely. I right? mean, my father took me uh, to watch college basketball. Sure. He was a graduate of NYU. And NYU had some great teams. All the, the NYU, St. John's, LIU, sure. uh, City College. That's when the NIT was king, right? Yeah, right. Uh, so, I mean, the garden was legendary. It was in a different area at the time. Right. But I was there when they first opened the garden, uh, the new garden. And I was always in awe of the any New York guy was in awe of Madison Square Garden. And uh, so I'm really thrilled, uh, again, to go back. Uh, it's my uh, 90th birthday. Three days before, right? Three days before. And so the family will be there, and it's a great fight. Uh, Lomachenko is a tremendous, tremendous fighter. Uh, and he's fighting Comey, who's a big knockout guy. But interesting, we have some great kids on the, you know, the future on the card. 
I have Muhammad Ali's grandson. grandson. Isn't that amazing? You know, he's he's a he's a lovely young man. Uh, I knew his mother when she was a little girl. For sure. Yeah, Rashida, uh, and uh, uh, some terrific pro- prospects like uh, uh, Zanda uh, Zayas uh, and Keyshawn Davis, who we signed, who probably was one of the best silver medalists, uh, Olympians. Yeah. yeah, won a silver medal. Uh, so I'm really pumped uh, to be back uh, in my home city. Isn't that amazing? You know, because. I've lived in Las Vegas since 1986, but you can tell by my accent that I'm still in New York. Of course, I know that. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm born in Brooklyn, raised in Staten Island. It comes out if you cut me out, off in traffic, Bob. I'll be honest with you. So, uh, all right, two, two, two last things for you. Do you have a Sinatra story? Have you ever come across Frank at, at boxing? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you got for me? Well. Anything? A number of years ago, my late friend Saul Kersner, Mm -hmm. who built and owned Sun City in Baputiswana, which was a homeland in South Africa, Mm -hmm. uh, had Sinatra there singing. And uh, Saul was a big boxing fan, and I came up with an idea that we would do two championship fights, mm-hmm. uh, and then Sinatra would do a concert. And Mickey Rudin, great, late Mickey Rudin, the, the lawyer for Sinatra, was in the hotel, and Sinatra was in the hotel in St. Regis in New York. So Rudin, Mickey said, what a ridiculous idea. Frank could never go for it. So I said, well, let me go up and talk to him <laughs> with, with them. And... I started talking to them. I do, we do uh, Duran against Davey Moore. And he, Sinatra, I could see he wasn't interested. And then he said, and what was the other fight? And I said, Ray Mancini against Kenny Bott. He said, Mancini? I said, yes. He said, I'm in. <laughs> boom, I'm boom, in. got him in? Boom, boom, boom. He was a crazy boom, boom, Mancini fan. So we... <laughs> We set up, a, we signed a contract, we set up a press conference, and Sinatra was at the press conference, and uh, it was going to be on closed circuit in the United States, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, everything was going swimmingly well. Oh, no. I, in those days, we were not sophisticated, so I wrote the commercials. So I remember going with Lou Vopicelli, my director, Mm -hmm. to the Kennedy Center where Sinatra was to have Sinatra do the commercial. And he looked at it, and he said, terrible. And he then did his own commercial, Uh which was great. Okay. Right? And a week before the fight, uh, in training in South Africa, uh, Ray's collarbone was broken. (sighs) And once that happened, Sinatra pulled out, it went down. We called it. We were calling it Chairman and the Champs. It never happened. But Sinatra, I found, was a really great guy, terrific guy to work with, fun guy. I really, ah. I really admired him. Riding high in April, shot down in May. I guess that's right, life. Exactly. Right, Bob? Oh my gosh! 
You almost had it. What a what a night that would have been. Yeah. How about that? Sinatra's a Ray Boom Boom Mancini fan. You probably never thought that was <laughs> coming today, did you? That <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, last one for you. Uh, we in this realm of sports talk um, always put people on the spot by saying, "Give us your Mount Rushmore." Means you got to give me four of fighters. Do you have one for me? Yeah, Bob Barham, your Mount Rushmore, think. your Mount Rushmore of fighters. Muhammad Ali, okay, right. Marvelous Marvin Hagler, right. Uh, Manny Pacquiao and Tyson Fury. Those are your four. Yeah, etch it in stone. Yeah, Hagler's a good one, huh? Yeah, Hagler was the best. What a great guy. Well, they don't call him marvelous for nothing, right? Yeah, exactly, and you know. He passed well before his time. And Ollie and Fury get in the ring. What, do you ha- what happens there, do you think? Fury wins. No no heavyweight. <laughs> no heavyweight before or since could beat Fury. The Fury is so incredible. Guys who are 6'9 were bums when Ali was fighting. Right. Because they couldn't move and, and, and there were always flaws. But here's a guy, Fury, takes an incredible punch, uh, moves like a, a welterweight, and has a pretty good punch himself, knows how to box. We haven't seen that combination ever, ever. You know, I feel sorry for Wilder, who's a terrific fighter, because he came in an era that gave us uh, Tyson Fury. And remember, it's not a fluke. Because Tyson Fury beat Valdemir uh, Klitschko mm-hmm. when Klitschko was riding high, and nobody gave Fury a chance. Fury is the goods because he can box, he can punch, and he keeps getting better. Happy birthday in advance, Bob Aaron. Thank you very much. Turn 90. Yeah, on, uh, that's on December a, 8th. Oh, the it's big only nine-o. a number. It's, it's only, only a number. It's only a number, Bob Aram. Certainly since, you know, I I, uh, I mean, clearly you're at the top of your game. That's the, You put the top in top-ranked boxing, that's for sure. This has been a pleasure. I know uh, I, I had met you a couple years ago. You're like, I'll do it. I'm, no problem. Just invite. And I'm glad we finally got it done. Yeah, I'm glad. Much, much, much pleasure. And then again, uh, uh, happy, uh, happy birthday. And then everybody check out... Uh, Uh, Comey versus Lomachenko and so much more on ESPN. Stay tuned right after the Heisman Trophy ceremony on December the 11th. Good to see you, sir. Thank you. Bob Arum right here on the Rich Eisen Show. We are back with your phone calls and more in a moment. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, eight four four two zero four. Rich, how great was that? Guys? That was. I mean, that right? was awesome. That was awesome. You know, I've told right. you before, Rich. Like as a kid, I learned how to read reading my dad's old Ring and KO magazine. So, mm-hmm. like someone who has love for boxing the way I do from a young age, that was like a, a master class of just listening. When to we, we, I mean, we didn't. Because obviously the man knows how to promote. so That's what he does. So his company knows how to promote itself. They gave me a list here of Extensive. breaking it down by the numbers. Okay. The number of boxing cards promoted by top rank, broken down uh, by um, ESPN, world title fights, and then by state, uh, by region, <laughs> by fighter. Oh, and there's one other one that we got to have him back. Well, obviously, we're going to have him back, too, right? We need, to. need to. So a, many more stories. There's, there's only one. There's, there's a number one here. He's only done one thing once, okay? And that's Snake River Canyon Jump by Evil Knievel. <laughs> by, Bob Aaron. by the way, not surprising. Has he left yet? Not surprising. I mean, he promoted... The Snake River Canyon jump by Evil Knievel. Was, oh my it, God! Yeah, it was huge. You're watching. You're sitting at home. You're thinking he's about to. He could literally die. die. Yeah. He could literally die on TV. And we're yeah. watching it live on television. Yeah. You know his famous jump over the fountain in Vegas, Vegas. right? Yeah, Where you know he's he left he in pieces like, there. Yeah. He was the original jackass. Yeah. He actually was. Yeah. I remember being a kid and having a little Evil Knievel action figure, Me like too. a motorcycle yeah. thing that you wound Me up too. to. Just like, yeah. yeah, man. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Evil Knievel was the oh, yeah. move. Absolutely. And, and this, he, did this, he jump the shark or that was Fonzie? That was Fonzie. Fonzie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well. This list is so uh, thorough, Rich. They have states. They actually have the states where he hasn't promoted yet. Yeah. I've got him here. That's how thorough this list is. Yeah, I know. Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Kansas, South Dakota, Vermont, Virginia, and Wyoming are the only... States that he has not promoted in that, I guess, allow boxing, I would imagine. Number, the fighters that he's also promoted. I mean, he did Hagler Hearns. I mean, we, honestly. Felix Trinidad, De La Hoya. Yeah, I mean, he did. I mean, he was the And then he did not stutter. Who would win, Ollie or Fury? Now, I don't know if that was the recent promoter of the guy who just got off the phone with Tyson Fury. Maybe. But I, I think I, it, I he's think like he's... six foot nine guys in the era of, of, of Ollie with tomato cans. Bums. Bums. Yeah. Great, great use great of bums. Great great use of of bums. Use they were bums. bums. You're a bum you know what they were? They were bums. You're a bum, Rocky. Bums. <laughs> and it was one of those two. As he left during the commercial break, folks, he said to me, how did you know about Sinatra? And I'm like, I didn't. I just took that shot. Because as you know, Sinatra, that's, that's I mean, guy. you know, I'm a Sinatra guy. And I just figured after him, you got to go Rickles. Story. You got to go Rickles. And then you got to go Lasorda at some point after that, right? Yeah, we're, yeah. To, like you go all rap pack, you do the whole rap pack. You can Vegas. next time Bob's back. Whole rap pack. We'll do a full hour. <laughs> but Oof. what do you do? You like his uh, Bob Arum's uh, four? His big ass grab bag of four. His uh, uh, Washmore it was interesting. Ali, Pacquiao, Hagler, Tyson Fury. Yes. Um, look, I, I'm not going to argue promoted, Bob Arum. <laughs> huh? All guys he promoted. Yeah. 
obviously. He promoted pretty much everybody at some point. The Fury Ali argument, that would be like, man, I just wish, I wish there was some way that Doc Brown could get the DeLorean going and we could get a time machine and we could make some of the best matches. What's that pay-per-view price? The the fighter he has promoted the most, the most fights that he's done, uh, that he's promoted the most, Miguel Cotto. Oh, Miguel Cotto, nice. 41. 38, Michael Carbajal. 37, De La Hoya. Also 37, Donald Curry, Johnny Tapia at 36, and then there's Floyd at 35. James Tony, Eric Morales. I mean, the things that this man must hear in these, in these conversations about putting fights together that... Would have been nice to hear some uh, off-air comment about the five-year... <laughs> yeah. oh, I just Pacquiao, love the fact that when he, whenever he did Don yeah. King... When he, when he got along with Don King, when we counted the we money... Counted the money. <laughs> make sure you got your share. He goes, oh, no, we handled the money. With Don King. We collected and dispersed for Don. Cash we, usually puts aside any uh, uh, will. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when did you even. get along? Only when we counted money. <laughs> Jeff in Detroit, you're here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up? Nephew. What's going on, cousins? My family. Uh, that was a wonderful interview. And shout out to Sugar Hill Stewart, my... Uh, he used to. He was an academy classmate, a Detroit police officer that ended up being Tyson Fury's trainer. Who knew, huh? How about oh, that? Wow. Okay. Listen. Yep, yep. We're coming full circle here on the Rich Eisen show. Here we are. Please Love allow it. me to retort to Shane. Just one second. Can, can I do that real quick? Shane and Boulder, who called in last hour, who's like, not only is Notre Dame going to get in, but they're going to win it, and they're going to take out Michigan and all sorts of stuff. I mean, he really came out chesty, which is I appreciate because I've been that way all week long. You know. Well, you know me being a fellow Michigan a lot. Well, I went there for a couple of classes, didn't graduate. But, <laughs> All good, you man. Know, I'm still a U of M man. You fly the colors. You know, I still love that maize and blue. Yeah. My question is, who leaves a Notre Dame football job? Uh, I guess the LSU head coach. That's who. That's right. Like you said, they pretty much run from us. They don't want any parts of Michigan because they don't want the L on their. Uh, they don't want the L on their schedule. My question to you though is this: uh, Can you remember? This much excitement surrounding college football where there's no clear-cut Heisman winner and we have no clue who's the clear-cut champion. Usually we can say Alabama, Clemson, or something like that. But right about now, I mean, who knows? You know, it's one of those things that's up in the air. And I wanted to know which one was a better job, the LSU or the uh, – excuse me – LSU or USC job, and uh, who will win first, Lincoln or Bryan? Well, uh, uh, thanks for the call, Jeff. We talked about this yesterday, did we not, that you, we said USC was the better job because it's the either easiest path to the to the, uh, easiest path. To the championship basket, right? Just because the Pac-12 is so weak. <laughs> right now it is. It's really down. And, you know, Lincoln Riley recruiting Southern California already on behalf of Oklahoma and his bringing his – I mean, USC fans are all like, bring him. Like, they don't care what he's left behind and how he arrived or anything. They, they do not care one bit. Fight on. Ready to go. You know, but um, so, yeah, I, I, I hear him on all that. And, I, and, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they ran from Michigan because um, they didn't want the L on the schedule. It, it's it. They they didn't want on their schedule to start their pro to start their year, you know the 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 tough game that can knock it all out, you know. 
And the same thing for, for us. But we, we kept on having Notre Dame first game out of the box. That's what it used to be, kids. Yep. That's what it used to be. My senior year at the University of Michigan, when I finally got to cover the football team, that's, what, at the, that's the pecking order at the Michigan Daily student publication, student-run publication, is that you, you, know, you, you, you cover other sports in your sophomore and junior year, and then you work your way up, put in the time, show that you are, you're worthy of the assignment of covering the football team. And it was wound up being Bo Schembechler's final year and the first game on the docket in 1989 was Notre Dame. And Michigan kicked the ball off to start the day. I remember I was sitting right there at the 50-yard line. They put the Michigan Daily right on the 50 in the press box. Mm. And they kept on saying over and over again, no cheering in the press box. Do not do that. And I certainly learned that the, the next week um, at, at week two because it was Michigan at UCLA for the Rose Bowl. In the Rose Bowl. Michigan played US, UCLA week two. How does that sound? Okay. And uh, they took that seriously in the Rose Bowl press box. Like if they heard you even boo or peep, they would kick your ass out. And that would be really embarrassing because there's nowhere to go in Pasadena. You'd be out. <laughs> and I certainly wasn't going to spend all those years in sophomore and junior year just to make it to the Rose Bowl press box to cheer for Michigan and get kicked out on my first road trip. Long story short, though, Michigan kicked the game off that day in 1989 to a guy named uh, Rocket Ishmael. Heard of him. Touchdown. And uh, for some reason, um, the uh, Michigan, uh, well, that was, that was when Michigan kicked off to Notre Dame for the first time that day. The second half, Notre Dame got the ball. They kicked off, uh, and apparently Bo in the locker room says, we're going to kick it to that damn Rocket one more time. We're going to put him down, and uh, uh, he did not. Uh, get uh, put on the turf. He ran another one back for a touchdown. Ruined Michigan season on the spot. End of season in terms of national championship. That was back in the day when you had to convince riders to vote for you. One loss in week one. You're, you start 0-1, that's a wrap. So that you got to play for beating Ohio State and doing all that sort of stuff. And Michigan did later on that year and then made it back to the Rose Bowl. How often does that ever happen where one plays two week, the first game of the year? That's I don't crazy. Know, right? I mean, I just remember that being a, a senior that year, Keith Jackson in the booth. Okay. One first two. I'm in the I'm in, I'm in the press box. Keith Jackson Keith in the Jackson. booth. Lou Holtz coming in for Be- and Bo Schembechler oh. on the other side. Let's go. Oh, oh yeah. And that's why Michigan and Notre Dame, I would sign for starting every year that way. Every year. And and I'd be up for it. I know a bunch of Michigan fans would. And even if you don't want to start with it, I'd play them every year. I'd make that I, part I of the schedule every year. One well, one school had another uh, had had other ideas about. It. So, but in terms of what Jeff just said, uh, excitement. Did, we talked about that. I feel like uh, Jim. We talked about it. Uh, we talked about that with Bruce Feldman earlier this week. We're going into this Saturday. Uh, championship conference championship Saturday. We don't know who the Heisman Trophy front runner is, and the only thing for certain is George is making the Final Four. There's three spots open in the Final Four, right? Three spots open. Three spots open. George is making it, win or lose. They're in. Yeah. And Cincinnati loses. They're they're out. Even though I would say it's very difficult Oof. if Alabama wins and Lord. My 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 alma mater wins and Cincinnati loses Oof. to Houston. 
Notre Dame gets in over Cincinnati, oh. even though Cincinnati went in their house and beat them? What if they make both can make it? Well, how does both make it if Alabama beats Georgia? Alabama beats Georgia, then two spots are taken. Michigan wins the third spot's taken. There's one spot left if Cincinnati loses. Well, they both make it if Michigan loses, if Alabama I'm just saying, loses. I, I, I'm, I'm giving you a scenario that is very realistic. Alabama beats Georgia early in the day. Last game of the night, Michigan beats Iowa. That's three of the four spots taken, correct? Right. right. I think so. If that happens and Cincinnati loses and Oklahoma State loses, they're going to send Notre Dame over Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati beat Notre Dame and they have the same record? Yeah, probably. That's unfortunate. Well, there's not a national fan base for Cincinnati football. That's also uh, – and, and, and the fact that it's New Year's Eve, too. Yeah. I mean, why do they do that? New Year's Eve. Like, people have stuff to do. <laughs> what are you doing? Do it on the 30th, right? Yeah, do it on yeah. the 30th. Do it on the 30th. What are you... All right. I'm not in charge. Clearly nobody's in charge. I mean, and I'm not in charge, and I should be. should be. Billis and I should do something. I should be in charge of... Billis is in charge... I'm in charge of the image and branding, and Billis is in charge of everything else. R.E.S. Consulting. R.E.S. Consulting. Consulting is in charge. Exactly. We're in charge of the, the scheduling, imaging, and branding, and Billis does everything else. We'd be, unbe- we'd be unbeatable. Things would be better, too. Seems like it. Eight teams in? How many? I say eight. eight. I don't like 12. I like eight. I'm with you. But uh, apparently um, uh, the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, likes 12. So guess why they're talking about 12? They still yeah. haven't hammered that out yet either. No. All right, let's take a break, wrap up this show, and get you set for tomorrow's program and what's on it. That's how we're rolling on this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I just uh, spent time in my commercial break looking at my Twitter feed just to see if we're missing anything. <laughs> Not addicted to my phone, I promise you. <laughs> yeah. um, Rex Chapman just tweeted out something. Oh, yeah, I saw it. I love it. This is the 33-year anniversary. It was 33 years ago today where we first learned that Reggie Jackson attempted to assassinate the Queen of England. Wow, was foiled. Naked gun. In theaters near you for the first time today, Man. 33 years ago today. So it's a Christmas movie, right? Crazy. I guess. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I guess. I'm joking. I'm doing my The job. Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. That was a... F- I've got to were... tell you, man, um, I have seen that movie recently, and with the exception of one of the uh, comedic actors having, you know, um, what's the word for it? Uh, uh, allegedly, reportedly, murdered two people. Um, it holds up. Oh, yeah. It holds up. It's a funny movie, man. And I got to... We showed showed Airplane to my kids. Oh, you did? We did. How'd that go? A lot of it goes over children's heads. And then halfway through, we kind of turned it off because it it was a little bit over their heads a little bit. Yeah. You know. But... Please. When was the last time you saw that movie? Naked Gun? Yeah. It's been a couple years. By the way, sneaky good... Sports movie. <laughs> well, the baseball scene. Well, the baseball scene's yeah, amazing. The last half I mean, hour of the film is a baseball scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the I mean, stuff. Maybe the umpires. Legendary. Yeah. Everything. I mean. Because in 1988 Joe was when West was when they were really, I think it was when the Negro brothers were, were busted for like two years. It was two years after Mike Scott. So, so at one point when, when Frank Drebin, a.k.a. Enrico Palazzo, who's, <laughs> who's, out, there, who's out there as the uh, umpire. Great name. Okay? Anime. Because he's trying to, 
He's trying to frisk all the players to make sure that somebody's not assassinating the queen. Right. Uh, and he goes and he checks the pitcher on the mound and he finds like all different manners of of, uh, of like drills, tool, drill bits, yeah. and all yeah, those like right, all that power tools. Spider attack. It's so funny. And then he and then he clears him back for play after finding all that stuff. You're good because he was all he was looking for a weapon. I mean, and Country Joe West was the one who was one of the umpires who had Crescioni in a rundown. Amazing. There it is. There it is. <laughs> There's Country Joe West. Angels, Mariners. At Angels, State Mariners. Oh. Jay Johnstone, who just passed away, oh. was one of the Mariners. And then, of course, Reggie Jackson was in right field. I mean. Come on now. Ricardo Montalban is the villain. <laughs> George Kennedy is Nancy Norbert. Nancy Marchand was Fantastic. the mayor. Amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nancy Marchand was the mayor. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH. We're talking about the naked gun 33 years ago today. Wow. In theaters near you. Yeah, the, the 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 actress who played Tony Soprano's mom in The Sopranos, and Nancy Marchand, who was a terrific actress, she was the mayor that uh, that essentially fired Frank Drebin, and Frank, because he was so committed to the job, snuck back in to uh, Dodger Stadium, which is where it was shot, even though it was the Angels and Mariners in the famed baseball scene at the end, and just the montage of of uh, of at the end of that movie, with Kurt Gowdy, Dick Vitale, Dr. Joyce Brothers Everybody on the call, the booth, Mel yeah. Allen, how about that? As you saw the, the lion maul the second baseman in the montage. <laughs> the I Love L.A. montage. Spectacular. It really is one of the best sports movie scenes of all time. When I'm asked, like, which one of your favorite sports movie scenes of all time, I say Naked Gun. And really, that's not a sports movie. And I'm like, exactly so that's why Don Hart's not a Christmas movie. And it's that time of year around the corner, Chris. Get ready oh, for they're that. they're already starting it. They're already starting. I don't want to do this again, though. Like, you guys, <laughs> I agree. You guys, you guys don't want to take an L. Movie that takes place. You know what, Chris, as I've just shown you, um, I, have, I, have, I have grit and determination. Um, yeah. I choose to play it. It's All the month right. of December. What happens tonight? I think the Cowboys should I'll win be, big. Let me tell you, I want, I want a violent, but. vicious beating. On that field tonight. I mean, if we don't go out there and just literally stomp them out. Looking and, like what the Bills did. Yeah, like with them, what are we doing? Yeah. This takes a nice chunk out of the pie. So what is uh, the town in Las Vegas, Nevada, where there is Oof. no plaque or sign post for Mo Green? What do they say? Uh, it's been what? going up. It opened at uh, four and a half for Dallas. It's now six and a half. So a lot of money going to Cowboys. Way. I just, what, what are you doing? I'm gonna I'm gonna take Dallas tonight. You think they they got a touchdown think, in them, right? I think it should be. It should. Everything points to backup quarterback, a guy who's already kind of banged up, right. Jason Hill. Like and then no, Dallas goes to like eight no and four, yeah. eight and four, two and a half in front of the Washington football Washington team. football team. Yeah, Bucks taking on Atlanta this weekend. I mean that should be so. Then that that will be nine and four for them. Yeah. Green Bay's on a bye. Arizona's at Chicago. Should be a Rams win home them. for the Jaguars. Should be a win for them. Let's go. Washington football team currently sitting in the seventh spot. They're at the Vegas Raiders. How big a game is that one this weekend? I mean, you could convince me anything's going to happen. That's a that big game, one, man, you know? because in the AFC, the Raiders are, are sniffing it. They're right in that mix, man. Yeah, and the football team is the seventh seed right now. And then you got that Sunday nighter between Denver and, and, and uh, Kansas City. By the way, they're going to be high-fiving in the uh, executive suite um, there in Stanford, Connecticut. Because they they flexed 
out of Seattle and San Francisco. Seattle loses to go to three and eight. And they flex into Denver and Kansas City, and Denver beats the Chargers. Yep. And then you look at the Denver Broncos right now. They're six and five. They can go to seven and five. The Chiefs are coming off a bye week after playing as well as they're playing. They're currently leading the division. This is a big football game in the big AFC game. West where the Broncos can say, guess what? You are what you are. We're a playoff team. If they win, they're in first place. Sunday night, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs host the Denver Broncos in an AFC West showdown. That is Sunday night football, 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Teddy Bridgewater brings the Broncos into Arrowhead. Chiefs coming off their bye week. Oh, baby, that all starts tonight again on the triple cast for the Cowboys and the Saints. Last time again, we saw the Saints was on NBC on Thanksgiving night. That was a long night of indigestion (laughs) for the Saints. A not l- a good fantasy. Long line of indigestion? I'll put it down anyway. Yeah, yeah. That was a long night, bro. So, we'll talk about all of it tomorrow. TJ's big-ass grab bag tomorrow. You know what we'll do tomorrow, Chris? What I know we were planning tomorrow? on doing that today, but we'll do it tomorrow. What's more likely? Is that the name of it again? What's uh, more I, why do I have a trouble for... Uh, award-winning. It's, award, it's already winning awards? Award-winning. What's more likely? Where does it win awards? Shane and Boulder? He's already got the, the gummies. He's given awards that he doesn't have. He's writing checks that he can't cash. Oh, I know that. Having tonight. Uh, it's, it hasn't won anything. I'm just putting it out there. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. So go home. Take a lozenge, Chris. Come on back and enjoy tomorrow's show. I've had a week. I had a tooth pulled, and I got this thing in my mouth. It's been mouth. a rough week for Chris. I got, I got a lot going on. You got a lot happening, huh? Yeah. It was day to day. He was day to day. All week. I know. Yeah. He's passed the tests. The tests oh, yeah. have come back. Have come back. We're, yeah, Rhino's got the disc. I know. My, 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 kid, my kid is kissing famous people. There's a lot going on. I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Your child is kissing famous people. Cage, Cage is a legend. By the way, he was bro. he was he was hanging out with some serious uh, A-listers yeah, last yeah, night. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of jealous because he used to be my plus one and only meet those people. Now he's Sarah Tiana's <laughs> plus one, and his life's totally improved. I told <laughs> him to get plus one on his so plate. So on we're his leaving car. yesterday, and we're walking up the this driveway to go back to our car. This is great, and it, it's dark. But there's a kind of a big beefy guy coming our way in a hideous uh, Christmas sweater. Casual. Hey, what's up? Oh, John Legend. No big deal. Oh, I mean, <laughs> did you tell him hello for me? Oh, well, no, because uh, well, we were hanging out oh, with his wife earlier, and I was going to get a video made for you. But, you know, we oh, were leaving dude. and he was coming. Oh, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Oh. Hey, John. <laughs> Rich Eisen says hello. Tell me how it. Hey. hey. Come on, man. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>